non-religious people celebrate Easter. Non-religious people celebrate Christmas. <laughs> so it's interesting how the world and the church have similarities. So much so, the church have more in common with the world than in common with the word. And if you are not careful, you can claim to be part of the word, but look like the world. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. After Abraham had secured a wife for Isaac from his kinfolk, Abraham got married again at the age of 140 and had six more sons by Keturah. However, Isaac was the promised son who would inherit all that Abraham owned. To the six sons of Keturah, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac eastward into the east country. Abraham lived 175 years and he died. Although Ishmael had also been sent away, he stayed in touch with Isaac and assisted Isaac in burying Abraham in the cave where Sarah was buried. The Genesis story now turns to the life of Isaac, the promised son of Abraham and Sarah, who lived near the well where Jehovah spoke to Hagar when she had ran away pregnant with Ishmael. Today's study title is Abraham's New Wife and Children. So, Let's study. Tonight, we're going to be looking at Abraham's new wife and children. And, you know, when I first began to talk about Abraham getting married again. I was quite surprised, and this was some years ago, uh, and we've touched on it periodically through certain teachings that we've done, but I was quite surprised to find that many people didn't know that Abraham got married again, that Abraham had more than Ishmael and Isaac. And so these are some of the things that we pick up while we're going through verse-by-verse studies, and tonight we're going to be looking at that in particular. So in Genesis chapter 25, beginning at verse number one, we know that last week in our teaching that Abraham sent his, for the last three weeks, Abraham has sent Eleazar to find a wife for Isaac. Sarah died. And now Abraham sends his servant. He finds a wife, brings her back. And the last part of chapter 24, the Bible tells us that Isaac was comforted after the death of his mother. And the comforting agent was the wife that had come, who had now given Isaac the comfort that he needed as he was grieving the loss of his mother. After this, Abraham now is about to get married. And so after Abraham secured a wife for Isaac from his kinfolk, Abraham got married again at the age of about 140 years old. So here he is at 140 and he gets married and he had six more sons. In verse one says, then Abraham, or then again, Abraham took a wife and her name was Keturah. 
If you look on the internet and read certain extra biblical material, you'll find that there's a lot of traditions concerning Keturah uh, on the internet, in books, in Judaism, and also it's amongst theologians. All you got to do is go to a Bible college and, you know, you'll hear various traditions, various thoughts on who Keturah actually was. Some say that she was <laughs> this I found to be interesting that she took on the name Keturah after uh, she was supposedly Hagar. This is why it's important to stick to what is written. It is so important to stick to what is written. So I'm going to forego that and just stick with what is written. According to scripture, Keturah is mentioned four times. Twice in this passage in verse 1 and in verse 4, and then again in First Chronicles. And in First Chronicles one thirty two, it says, Now the sons of Keturah, Abraham's concubine. And it's interesting that in First Chronicles, it doesn't list Keturah as Abraham's wife, but as Abraham's concubine. She bears Zimram, or Zimran, Jokshan, Midan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua, and the sons of Jokshan, Sheba, and Dedan, and the sons of Midian, Ephah, and Ephah, and Enoch, and Abidah, and Eldah. All these are the sons of Keturah. Now, in Genesis, it lists Keturah as both a wife and a concubine, which is quite interesting. In verse 2, it says, And she bare him Zimram, Jokshan, Midan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. And Jokshan begat Sheba and Dedan. And the sons of Dedan were Asherim and Lechusim and Lemin. And the sons of Midian, Ephah and Ephah and Enoch and Abedah and Eldah. All these were the children of Keturah. Of these Offsprings of Abraham, because understand all of these were the sons of Abraham through Keturah. And of these, there is a particular tribe, Midian, that the scripture seems to follow. And when we get into at some point in Exodus, we're going to find that Moses, the deliverer of the children of Israel out of Egypt, marries a descendant of Abraham, a Midianite. Zipporah, Moses' wife, was the descendant of Keturah, or descendant of Abraham through Keturah, through Midian, one of the sons of Abraham. In Exodus 2.21, and it says, And Moses was content to dwell with the man. This is after Moses had fled Egypt. He meets this woman at the well, and he defends her because she's being harassed by some individuals. And Moses ends up going home with her, and uh, she has six sisters. <laughs> and her father was Jethro. Uh, in one place, he's called Ruel or Requel. And so the man gave Moses, Zipporah, his daughter. 
Now, Exodus tells us a little bit more about her. Zipporah's dad's name was Jethro, and he was a priest in Midian. And what you're going to find now, again, when you look at extra biblical material, you see things. And even in the Bible, you're going to see some things that seems to indicate that some Midianites were idol worshipers. But this particular person was a priest in Midian. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of Elohim, even to Horeb. What's interesting here is that the Almighty's mountain is in the backyard of Jethro. who just so happened to be a priest. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what God he served, but there's indications in the Bible that he served the Most High. And why I say that is because of some verses that we'll just take a brief look at. But here, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of Elohim, even to Horeb. Zipporah saved Moses' life by circumcising their son. And here's where you have to make the connection. Jethro had seven daughters. Jethro has no sons. Jethro has no married daughters, meaning he had no son-in-laws. And yet, Zipporah knew about circumcision. How would she know about circumcision? Why would a man teach his daughters about circumcision? Unless, of course, the man is teaching his daughters the things that Abraham had taught his children, who taught their children, who taught their children, and so on and so forth. And it just so happens that the most recognized name among the Hebrew people and in Judaism is Moses. And Moses doesn't marry anybody, just anybody. Moses just so happens to marry a descendant of Abraham, whose father is a priest, who understand the covenant of circumcision, which was a covenant made between Jehovah and Abraham. So father commissions Moses to go to Egypt to teach, to tell the Pharaoh to let the people go. And on his way, in Exodus 4.24, and it came to pass, by the way, in the end, that Jehovah met him, Moses, and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. So when she circumcised the son, and through the foreskin of the circumcision on Moses' feet, Jehovah, who had sought to kill Moses, let Moses go. A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. Now, here's the thing. Moses, who was Hebrew, should have known 
about circumcision. I suspect that on the eighth day, Moses was circumcised. Here's one of the challenges that Moses and the Israelites faced is that even though you may have the instructions living among heathens, when we live among heathens, there's the possibilities, the probabilities that we adapt and adopt the ways of the heathens, that we adapt and adopt the ways of the world around us. And if we're not careful, the ways of the world around us will cause us to compromise the word, especially when we live in the midst of people who do not hold the word to value. In fact, if we live among a nation who claim to be a Christian nation, a nation that disregard the instructions that were given to the saints, then there's a chance which you'll see among many Christians who live a traditional Christian life disregarding the commands, the instructions that are found in the Bible and adopting ways, traditions, and holidays similar to that of the world. What is amazing to me today for some reason is how Christians and the world celebrate, or should I say, the world celebrate the two most holiest days of the Christian calendar, Christmas and Easter. Christmas and Easter. None religious people celebrate Easter. None religious people celebrate Christmas. <laughs> so it's interesting how the world and the church have similarities. So much so, the church have more in common with the world than in common with the word. And if you are not careful, you can claim to be part of the word, but look like the world. So Moses was about to suffer fate at the hand of the Almighty by not circumcising his son as part of the covenant. And yet this woman who happens to be a person in covenant with the Almighty through descendancy and recognition of the covenant circumcises her son. Genesis 25, 5. Now Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. Isaac, as we know, was the promised son who would inherit all that Abraham owned. In verse 6, but unto the sons of the concubines. Now this concubines here is plural, indicating more than one, which leads us to come to the conclusion that Moses is referring to Keturah as a concubine, even though he says Abraham marries again. And also Hagar. So, but unto the sons of, of the concubines, which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac, his son, while he yet lived eastward unto the east country. Again, this passage suggests Abraham sent away the sons of Keturah, but not Keturah and seems to refer to her as a concubine, just as he had sent away Ishmael and her mother, or his mother, 
But this was at the behest of Sarah. Sarah wanted Abraham to get rid of the bondwoman. Now, the word bondwoman, one of the definitions for bondwoman is concubine. But Hagar was a slave. Keturah, there's no indication that she was a slave or bondwoman. And that's important. Moses, the writer of Genesis, refers to Keturah as both a wife and a concubine. Now, a concubine is like a mistress. There are no legal obligations to a mistress, but there are for wives. There are instructions for wives in Torah, but no instructions for concubines. So a man can deal with a concubine any kind of way, in a sense, whereas he could not deal with the wife any kind of way. Concubines have no legal status, if you would, with a man. A wife does. And so, you know, there are mistresses today, men who have mistresses who have no legal standing in the relationship with the man, whereas the wife has a legal standing. And what does that say? Women don't be mistresses. Don't be anybody's mistress. Another popular word today is fiance. (laughs) You know, you won't find fiance in the Bible. But for some reason, many among the religious, they like that word fiance because it's a fancy word for saying that this person and I are engaged. But then you got people who use fiance without engagement. And then when people get engaged, they're engaged to their fiancé. And I found that when people get engaged, it's almost like in their minds they're married. And sometimes they will perform or act like married individuals, even though they're fiancés, feeling like, okay, they're obligated, they're on the path of marriage. The only problem is that if there is no marriage... They're left holding the bag. There's no legal obligation. Unlike being betrothed, according to scripture, because a betrothed woman was like a wife and conducted herself as a betrothed woman. Whereas once the ceremony or the actual coming together, which moves from betrothal, to marriage, which now becomes a legal standing. So a man can send away his concubine, but he can't just send away his wife. There are obligations and responsibilities that a man has to his wife, and even in the circumstance of a betrothal, because typically that's when two parents have come together and there is an agreement. It's not just the woman found somebody and she brings him home to the daddy or the man finds somebody and he brings her home to the mama. And whether mama or daddy like it or not, this is the way it is. (laughs) That's not the way it is in the scriptures, which shows us that there are many people who claim to be believers who are conducting themselves in unscriptural manner. And these are the kinds of things that happens when you live 
in a society that disregard scripture. And in the New Testament, there's really no regulations concerning these kinds of things. These, these regulations and instructions are found again in the Torah. Abraham lived 175 years and then he died. And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived 103 score and 15 years. And so it seems like from the time the father called him out, the time he left Haran, made covenant with the Almighty, that Abraham lived about 100 years in covenant with the Almighty, plenty of time to teach Ishmael, to teach Isaac, to teach the sons of Keturah. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. Ishmael, although he and his mom had been sent away, seemingly stayed in touch with Isaac and assisted Isaac in burying Abraham in the cave where Sarah was buried. Now, you could easily pass this up because it's just one little sentence in this verse. And his sons, now in verse number eight, and Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people, and his sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him. So now, Abraham had sent Hagar and Ishmael away. But remember, we we pointed out last week and the week before that the place where when Sarah harshly treated Hagar and Hagar ran away, father found her as she was in the desert. It was near a well, Leharoi, bear, Leharoi, bear meaning well. And there she spoke to Jehovah face to face. Now, if you remember last week when we were dealing with Isaac, when Rebekah came and Isaac saw her, Isaac was dwelling in the area around the well Leharoi or Bear Leharoi. So Isaac seemed to be dwelling in the area where father spoke to uh, Hagar and told her to go back to her mistress. And so even though Hagar and Ishmael had been sent away. It appears that Isaac and Ishmael were still somewhat in communication because Ishmael knew Abraham had died and he came and assisted Isaac in the burial. Now, the other sons of Keturah, it doesn't mention that they were part of this process. But we also pointed out last week and the week before, that actually two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe, where Abraham got word concerning Nahor, who had bore children, and Bethuel, which was a son, I believe, of Nahor, had children, and one of those was Rebekah. So even though Abraham was not in Ur of the Chaldees, there seemed to have continually 
kept in communication because Abraham heard that his brother had had children who had had children. But these things, if you don't pay attention to what is there, they're easily overlooked. And so Abraham's sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, which is before Mamre. And the field which Abraham purchased of the sons, or the field which Abraham purchased of the sons of Heth, there was Abraham buried and Sarah his wife. So Abraham buried Sarah in that cave, and now Ishmael and Isaac buries Abraham in that cave. And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that Elohim blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt by the well. Leharoi. This is the place where father spoke to Hagar. Verse 12. Now these are the generations of Ishmael, and this will go quickly. Abraham's sons, whom Hagar, the Egyptian. So Hagar was an Egyptian who gave birth to Ishmael, but Ishmael took on the identity or the nationality of his seed or the seed bearer, which was Abraham. So Hagar was Egyptian. We don't know. Uh, well, Keturah, obviously, we really don't know what nationality Keturah was. We don't know where she came from, <laughs> uh, who her parents were, what land but we know where Hagar was. She was an Egyptian, Sarah's handmaid, bear unto Abraham. And these are the names of the sons of Ishmael. By their names, according to their generations, the firstborn of Ishmael, Nebajoth, and Kedah, and Abiel, and Mipsam, and Mitzmah, and Duma, and Masa, Hadah, and Timah, Jetur, Nephish, and Kedemah. These are the sons of Ishmael. And these are their names by their town and by their castles, 12 princes according to their nations. And remember, Father had promised that Ishmael would bring forth 12 princes. And so I believe this is showing us where Father, who spoke something, now Moses is revealing to us that this word that Father spoke is coming to pass in Ishmael. And these are the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years. And he gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people. And they dwelt from Havilah and unto Shur, that is before Egypt, as thou goest toward Assyria. And he died in the presence of all his brethren. And so at this point, the Genesis story now turns to the life of Isaac the promised son of Abraham and Sarah, who lived near the well where Jehovah spoke to Hagar when she had ran away pregnant with Ishmael. And that, my brothers and sisters, is the end of this teaching tonight. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free eBooks on our ministry website at ArthurBaileyMinistries.com. 
Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.